Welcome back to Second Helping, the top choice among podcasts for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics. That league, of course, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for 247sports.com's BamaOnline.com. Joined, as always, by my great friend Brent Beard. Brent, of course, a longtime college football analyst, most recently for First Coast News, right there on the First Coast of Florida, Northeast Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, to be exact. Brent, after a week off, we rejoin here, and just in time, it seems, because <laughs> it is officially the the precipice, I guess you could say, of spring game season around the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, great to be back with you, Travis. It, um, we've got three games this week and a plethora of them next week, uh, but it's a, again, April is a wonderful month. Uh, we're on the, uh, um, at the doorstep virtually of the Masters. Uh, we have just finished the final four in men's and women's, uh, which you certainly have a lot to talk about uh, along that line. So, uh, uh, and, and I've got to throw this in here, Trav. We, and I'm going to be curious of a change, but we're, about a month and two weeks away from the first preseason magazine. <laughs> so the countdown continues. It does. Absolutely it does. For Brent Beard. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, it is officially Jim Nance season, I think, as much as anything. <laughs> Jim Nance just did the final four, just did the March Madness for CBS and the affiliated networks. TBS as much as anything these days, I guess. Uh, Jim Nance does the national championship game Monday night. Heck of a game, by the way. North Carolina and Kansas gave us there at the Superdome in Nolens. And then Jim Nance goes directly to Augusta, Georgia for the Masters this weekend. And then just so he can recover, you know, (laughs) next week he'll make the short drive over to Hilton Head, South Carolina, where he'll kind of recharge. Wow. They're wow. on the in the low country in mm-hmm. advance of that heritage tournament. But no, plenty of football action to talk about now that we put basketball officially to bed. I did make the trip up to Minneapolis for a few days, caught up with the oldest daughter. The wife and I took in the women's final four. How about the South Carolina Gamecocks? Oh man. Your national champions under That's Don right. Staley. Need to give them a shout out. Second national title. For Don Staley, and can't say enough about the job she's done there because that really wasn't a program with much history, right? No, that wasn't no. Tennessee, to be sure, that Don Staley took over. And to take it from essentially dirt to the doorstep of a dynasty now with two national titles in the last six years and to take down a program like UConn and Gino Ariema, 11-0 and in national championship games, Going into Monday night with Gino. He's 11 and 1 now. Don got him. And boy, uh, kudos to Don Staley uh, and the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And you know, we'll talk some South Carolina football coming up here in just a little bit as we work through things today, Brent. But again, as much as anything, I know you're excited about some spring football games coming up. I guess we have Auburn coming up on Saturday, looking at your schedule here. And uh, that'll kind of kick things off as we move into a really big weekend in a week's time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and also, Trav, Texas A&M uh, are playing on Saturday and Kentucky. So we've got three. And again, without belaboring the point, 
folks need to uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm guessing Pop, bet, some of these folks better get started today they really we're, do we're, don't we're they recording this at midday Wednesday <laughs> some folks that aren't, uh, aren't yes. haven't been initiated to technology is the SEC network plus essentially yes. and streaming better go ahead and get those folks started today maybe maybe by midday Saturday we'll have them covered for these uh, uh, spring games the only game on regular cable is going to be the Georgia game on ESPN2 on April the 16th. Trev, could Pops have a tutorial right now to help these folks out if they needed to learn how to do streaming? You know, with uh, with Pops making that transition, silence is golden oh. these days because I am the unofficial technology yes. guy for yes. Pops when it comes to ESPN Plus and streaming and YouTube TV and all that stuff now because I made the mistake of introducing him to those services. Now he's all about them, but if he can't access one of them, you know, I get a phone call like it's 911 at 11 o'clock at night. He can't watch Gunsmoke. Who do you think is going to get the phone call? And, and, you know, it's 24-7 apparently. I'm on call for Pops now. No, but he is loving it. He's absolutely loving it. I haven't heard from Pops in that regard, Excellent. Brent, in probably a week or two. So yeah. as I said, I'm just I'm just enjoying the silence for right now. Well, I, I, which is tremendous, uh, too. And by the way, our, our brethren in the ACC network, all those games are on the ACC network, Boston College, Clemson, Florida State, has their uh, spring game, and I bring that up as we transition back to the SEC, only to say one Gene Deckerhoff has his last Florida State broadcast. Deckerhoff, a Florida grad, he doesn't like to talk about that, has Jacksonville, Florida roots, uh, and then you've got North Carolina, NC State, and Pitt, so Trav three SEC and, and a bunch of ACC going on this weekend. Here's something for you. I actually worked with Gene Deckerhoff's late brother, Chuck. Really? In Jacksonville, Florida, 30 years ago or so, 25, 30 years ago. In a previous profession, I worked with Gene's brother. And you talk about how siblings can be just entirely different. The effervescent, outgoing, yeah. personable, Gene Deckerhoff, well, he got all of it, I think, among the Deckerhoffs, <laughs> because that wasn't Chuck. Chuck was yeah. about as reserved and to himself, right. but a great guy in his own right, just like Gene seems to be. But absolutely, you talk about staples of a fan base, staples of a brand that has become Florida State. It was as if Gene Deckerhoff and Bobby Bowden sort of appeared together. Yeah, back in the, the late 70s and rode that wave together. And uh, Mr. Deckerhoff's been just outstanding, and he will surely be missed uh, in the coming years. But when we look ahead to Saturday anyway, Brent, let's start with the Auburn Tigers, who have a quarterback situation, as we know. Among other things for uh, this team, Brian Harson going into year two. Hey, um, what are you expecting to see from Auburn on Saturday at Jordan-Hare Stadium? Uh, one of the Auburn beat writers told us that this will not be your typical uh, let's draft two teams because we have sufficient depth. Uh, Trav, this may be uh, a kind of a scrimmage uh, 
plus doing some drills uh, because the same beat writer mentioned uh, at this point, Auburn's got on their roster maybe between uh, 55 and 65 players. So that tells you the uh, uh, attrition that they have had, uh, certainly in the transfer portal. They've got a little bit of that. But at the same time, uh, it it's one of those we need to get through the spring so we can get to the transfer portal is kind of what this means. Don't expect to see Zach Calzada, the AM transfer, shoulder surgery. Uh, we'll put him uh, on the bench. TJ Finley, uh, the LSU transfer, uh, is basically the number one guy at this point. Uh, much to be changed there. Robbie Ashford behind him. Also, Holden. Oregon transfer, right? Absolutely. Robbie Ashford. That's right. Yeah. And and even at Oregon Trav, he didn't play much either. Right. So we, we really don't know what to say about that one. Uh, so your quarterback situation, uh, and, and look, uh, similar to uh, Will Friend and the job that he's got as offensive line coach, missing four potential starters for most of the spring. And uh, you and I have talked about Austin Troxel from time to time, a guy that has a lot of potential trap, but like some other Auburn starters, just frankly can't stay well. Hopefully he'll get fixed by fall. Yeah, I like I like the potential of that front seven defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I worry about that secondary too. Some Absolutely. key pieces that have to be replaced both at safety and corner for the Auburn Tigers. We don't say this a lot of years, but it seems to be more of a positive vibe in Lexington, Kentucky, where football is concerned, going into Saturday's Kentucky spring game, than, say, at Auburn. But that seems to be the case. We've talked about the job done by Mark Stoops here on several podcasts. You start in that backfield, I guess, offensively. Sure. Uh, for Kentucky Brent, you got reason for optimism, certainly there, uh, even though you lost offensive line coach Eric Wolford to Alabama, still expect to be st- strong up front uh, keys and cornerstones of any Mark Stoops team on both sides of the ball. So tell us a little bit about Kentucky and the expectations going into Saturday. Uh, will Levis will come back at quarterback and people are excited about that. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, uh, who uh, uh, Travis and I both think is easily one of the better backs in the league. Wondell Robinson will not be back. So I think, Trav, as much as anything else, uh, what you've got here is you want to know who your backup quarterback is. You want to know who else can run the ball. Uh, And also with Robinson going, uh, who's their deep threat going to be? I like their line of scrimmage. And listen to Dovetail, what you just said with Auburn. Trav, how many times could we say this, that Kentucky's line of scrimmage on both sides right now in better shape than Auburn's? I wouldn't disagree with that. Not at all. And going to be very interesting also, as you pointed out earlier, Brent, over in College Station is Texas A&M continues to work through a quarterback situation of its own. I will say that that particular area of the Aggies should benefit from an offensive line that took some lumps 
while it was in transition during the early stages, especially of the 2021 season. But given everything that A&M returns on that side up front should be in pretty good shape. I heard some interesting transfer news as it relates, I guess, to the tight end position at Texas A&M. But boy, defensively, even with Mike Elko moving on to a head coaching post in the ACC, really like a lot of the returning talent over on that side of the ball as well. Well, as some guys that we've talked to who cover them said, the Jimbo is at a point, Travis, where there are no excuses anymore, are they? Uh, I mean, the talent now, particularly on the defensive line with all these five stars that they're bringing in, one of the latest LT Overton five-star uh, the, uh, he's a 2023 recruit reclassified as a 2021 recruit will graduate from high school a year early, which is boggles my mind how this happens sometimes, but look, they are, uh, arguably maybe potentially, uh, one of the best defensive lines in the league. Everybody wants to know about the quarterback situation. Haynes King is healthy, although he's been limited. Max Johnson, the, the LSU quarterback, as Travis and I have talked about, they, they do love Connor Wigman and what he can do. Um, that, that will be an interesting spring game. Uh, Devon Achon coming back. Man, ran, <laughs> ran a 110.12 uh, seconds. Isaiah Spiller is gone. Uh, but, but look, Trav, frankly, uh, I mean, you, you look at every position, there'll be some guys that they'll need to replace. But but unlike Auburn and unlike some other teams in the league right now, um, uh, they really are just stacked like cordwood in some positions, much more so than some other schools that we'll talk about today. Yeah, and we've still had scrimmages ongoing, of course. We're talking a lot about spring games coming up for Saturday in the Southeastern Conference, but scrimmages pretty much taking place at this point around the league. Alabama with its first scrimmage of spring drills last Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium, and some interesting news post-scrimmage as much as anything with Ajay Hall, the second-year wide receiver, no longer showing up on the roster at the official website for Alabama Athletics, RollTide.com. It's been a tumultuous stretch for Ajay Hall, who made a big splash this time a year ago with his performance in the A-Day game last April. Since then, up and down, put it kindly, I think, best way to describe the path taken by Ajay Hall. You saw him in the national championship game loss for the Crimson Tide against Georgia when the injuries really piled up for Alabama at that spot. You heard some comments that were of particular interest in the aftermath from Nick Saban about their level of readiness, maybe, of some guys at that position once those injuries hit. Uh, You felt like perhaps Nick was speaking specifically to a guy like Ajay Hall. And here we sit at the midway point of spring drills in Tuscaloosa, and it looks like Ajay Hall could be on the move. There was a play in the national championship game when Ajay Hall was on the five-yard line uh, that uh, there was a pass that came right at him. Unfortunately, he had his hands positioned the wrong way, and he dropped the ball. If he catches that ball, 
I'm not saying that he's going to score, but I think he would have probably got down to what uh, Trav within a what within a whisker of being at the goal line. Uh, I, I I really wonder if he catches that pass. Bama scores and at that point would have had a double-digit lead. Uh, what Ajay Hall's future would have been if that would have been successful. When you think about Ajay Hall and you wonder about his future, Brent, we will hear from Nick Saban coming up later on Wednesday as we record this earlier in the day. Nick Saban set to address the media, I'm sure. Ajay Hall will be part of that yes. discussion. and. You know, a Jai Hall, a guy who checks all the boxes physically, physical mm-hmm. attributes. You'll love everything he brings to the table. But as is the case with a lot of guys early in their career, maturity, how they go about taking care of their business on an hour to hour basis uh, comes into play. So we'll find out more about a Jai Hall status coming up later on Wednesday. So we talk about the defending national champion, George Bulldogs, and it sounds like an individual that we've touched on on the podcast here in recent weeks, Eric Gilbert at the tight end position, showing some promise working with Stetson Bennett. And we wondered also about the departure of Jermaine Burton from wide receiver to Alabama. Certainly a big loss for Georgia, but sounds like a couple of guys that we saw step up in some big spots in 2021 are continuing to progress nicely. Yeah, they are in, in, uh, uh, speaking of Gilbert, Gilbert was a few weeks ago looking at wide receiver. He has been now moved back to tight end. I think some of that may be because they've just had a lot of injuries and attrition at tight end, although, although they will be fine, particularly when Brock Bowers uh, returns. And at this point, it seems like Eric Gilbert's got his head on fairly straight. So I think that's something that uh, is very important uh, to them, too. Uh, Lad McConkey, Kyrus Jackson still, those guys are still playing well. I think in, in the long run, they will be okay uh, at wide receiver. Uh, I'm sure this caught your eye like it did mine, Trav. One Carson Beck of Jacksonville uh, really kind of coming into his own. We thought Beck at some point would probably transfer out just because of the numbers, I give him credit for hanging in, uh, lauded and applauded over the last few days from uh, Kirby Smart. And we're not saying he's taking over for Stetson Bennett, maybe stretching the imagination, but they are going to have some guys step up. Trev, I think for Georgia this year, uh, as important as your normal goals are going to be, uh, what I'm going to be very interested to see is, uh, besides, as you mentioned, that depth at wide receiver is what is that pecking order going to be also at quarterback? Yeah, depth-wise, I think that's the question. We talk so much about starting jobs, and obviously that's paramount to the success of teams uh, in football these days. Uh, but you're right from a depth perspective and a potential successor down the road perspective uh, that begins to take on particular interest. Although, as we know, that transfer portal looms yes. as it does at every other sport. Something else, uh, every other spot. As, something else I wanted to get into you, get in uh, with you about is you have here some trap games potentially for SEC teams of note. And I see right here at the top of the list, 
You know, I think Tennessee showed enough last year that I'm not sure I buy the balls as a trap mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. for Alabama. But yeah, I could see where some people view it that way. And I know you've got it noted here where that game sits right. in mid-October as much as anything else could present a problem to the Crimson Tide. Well, and when you're dealing with back-to-back physical games uh, at Arkansas and then the Texas A&M game, which uh, will never this will never be admitted, but I'm sure that game is circled on a few calendars in that football uh, office, uh, would be the game on the road at Tennessee. And again, Tennessee does not have the line of scrimmage that Alabama is going to have. But again, you and I saw them last year uh, in travel. uh, Offensively, this is a bunch that can get hot, and you don't want to end up having to chase points the whole game uh, with them. Uh, So uh, no question, uh, sometimes uh, games like that get more important if you lose a starter or two in the previous games before you play them. No doubt about it. You know, and for, you said it, at Arkansas uh, and then A&M next up, uh, that's an interesting scenario for Alabama to try to navigate come October. And it's typically a time of year where Alabama really starts to flex its muscle from a roster perspective because even September takes a lot out of a lot of teams. And then you get into early to mid-October, that's when you start to see teams like Alabama, Georgia, maybe Florida in some years separate because they have the roster to withstand the grind and to push through into November. And, you know, I think there's some some other ones that stand out on this list as well. Texas A&M at Mississippi State on October the 1st. That's also a sandwich game, as you have noted here between Arkansas and Alabama. You know, last season, I thought at Missouri for Texas Mm A&M was the trap game because that was going to be, that was the game after the Alabama game. And A&M had no problem uh, in Columbia with Mizzou in that game. But this one's interesting because it shouldn't sneak up on A&M, given that Mississippi State went into College Station and yeah, beat the Aggies absolutely. the week before Alabama yes, visited it, yes. last uh, last season. Uh, well, and, and again, uh, how much will games with Arkansas and Alabama take out of A&M at, at that point? This is why your depth uh, that Jimbo was recruiting, give him credit for this, uh, on the line of scrimmage will help, I think, immensely along that line uh, as – expectations grow for A&M. Travis, one of, one of the oddities in here is Arkansas going to BYU in the middle of October, uh, usually a November game. With, with that one, uh, Trav, how about Sam, the, the, the finding Sam Pittman's playing Cincinnati and BYU in that non-conference schedule this year? Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. And it especially... Is. As you said, mid-October in Provo, uh, that's a that's a weird spot. We've got a couple of good SEC-related games with BYU and Utah mm-hmm. in 2022. With Utah visiting Gainesville, that's right to open the season against the Florida Gators, open the Billy Napier era uh, in with the Florida Gators. So, yeah, there's some uh, there's some interest there for sure. I wonder how much 
you look at some of these trap opponents, boy, Mike Leach, I wonder how much he enjoys seeing Mississippi <laughs> State on yeah, multiple absolutely. lists or multiple teams here. Uh, he's also, in addition to A&M, Mississippi showing up as a potential trap game for Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's been that's an annual game. That's a cross-division opponent. Um, they go at it each and every year. Kind of in the same bank, too, is what we were talking about with uh, with Mississippi State for Texas A&M. South Carolina as a trap opponent potentially for Florida. Mm-hmm. Gators shouldn't have any problem getting up for the Gamecocks after what happened in Columbia last November either. No, no I wouldn't think so at all. Uh, uh, but And you alluded to this a minute ago, Trav. To me, uh, extremely dangerous uh, on that Florida schedule or those first two physical football games uh, with Utah and then Kentucky. Uh, Trav, I'm going to be frank with you right now. If they come out of that one and one, they may <laughs> they may be feeling good about themselves at that point. It's going to be a they've got to spend this off season preparing for the physicality of September. Yeah, it, it's not going to be easy right out the gate because no. I'm going to tell you. Utah is going to go to Gainesville thinking they can push Florida. Around. Absolutely. Now, no most doubt. years you think, wow, Pac-12 opponent. Utah, though, is clearly right now the most SEC-like yes. Yes. team in the in the Pac-12. Uh, explosive enough, but that they they love to get after you, especially on the defensive side. So that's going to be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. Interesting game. You know, we think about these non-conference matchups and some of them we don't talk about a lot Ole Miss going to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech September 17th that's an interesting matchup well it will be uh and the uh obviously Jameer Gibbs won't be there to run for Georgia Tech uh and I mean Ole Miss really as we said being a trap game they've got to be careful about that particularly with uh, the uh, uh, some renowned uh, transfers coming in, Jackson Dart. That's going to be fascinating. And, and we've got something we'll mention in a minute about this Ole Miss experience. But they, they've got to be careful not, not to be derailed in September before they get excited about the Alabamas and the other SEC foes coming up later on in the schedule. One of these I like in terms of if I'm a member of a fan base, I'm a Mississippi State fan. I'm digging. I'm digging the road trip to Arizona on September 10th. But man, it's, it's going to be hot. Can you imagine? That, it's going to be hot, and then they'll tell you it's a dry hot. Uh, uh, I'm just telling uh, you, Tucson yeah. is going to be very warm. But it's going to be a fun trip. Uh, Mississippi State at Arizona on September the 10th. I'll tell you, I was in Tucson a couple months ago and went to an Arizona Arizona State basketball game at McHale Center. Just a hell of an environment for basketball. I bet. But during one of the timeouts in the game, Brent, they actually brought out members of the Arizona 2022 recruiting class <laughs> and celebrated them because, unbeknownst to me, what Arizona has done in recruiting in this most recent cycle is put together the highest ranked recruiting class in Arizona program history. And during a timeout, 
<laughs> they brought the signees out on the court. I'd never seen that before. I just thought <laughs> I could never imagine, you know, Nick Saban, so, or some of these programs bringing signees out on the court not. during a timeout. But uh, that's what we saw there uh, wow. in Tucson wow. a couple months ago. Um, you know, some of these are interesting in that uh, you, you consider uh, Missouri, Louisiana Tech, uh, even I guess if that's a home game. For Missouri, you know, that's that could be dangerous. We saw you got a new coach at Louisiana Tech and Sonny Cumbie, so you expect that air raid offense uh, to be churning and, and purring pretty well uh, going into the season. And then Vanderbilt, you look at, even Northern Illinois, I guess, qualifies, especially oh, sure. since you're making a road trip up to DeKalb. Yeah, absolutely. In that game between uh, Sandwich, between Wake Forest and in Alabama, I, I tell you, Trav, the, what caught my eye, too, was – Auburn playing Missouri after Penn State uh, with with that Penn State game being at home. Uh, Auburn very excited, needing probably very much to have an, an important non-conference win. And and look with these with these young young players coming in and and, the, and all the transfers that they're going to need. What what's going to be in the tank the week later for Missouri? Yeah. That's uh, that's the other side of when you get a little adventurous with yes. the non-con. Uh, there's still a a bill uh, coming due a lot of times after that. Well, Brent, as always, it's a lot of fun catching up with you on the Southeastern Conference here on Second Helping. You got anything else for us before we get out of here? You got a you got a birthday. You and your twin uh, brother that, that Brett right. have birthdays to celebrate. So we got to let you uh, we got to let you get out of here and get to your birthday weekend. We got we got April seventh, which is coming up on Thursday. So we're certainly excited about that. And and uh, look, there are a bunch of other things that that have happened. Bob Bowlesby re, re, retiring from the Big Twelve. The ramifications of that. And, and and I know this is a minor thing, but I thought it was significant. The state of Alabama was the Alabama Mississippi All Star Game coming back to Mobile in December. Uh, uh, that that usually is a pretty interesting game all the way around with that. So we're still on the JT Daniels watch to see what he's going to do. Uh, he's visiting West Virginia this weekend. Um, so, but but again, uh, we got to remember uh, May one. It's April. May one is a deadline uh, that if you're a player. And you want to be on that roster for 2022, you've got to have uh, the hay in the barn, as they say, Trav. Boy, that after these spring games, Trav, usually uh, we're all relaxing a little bit after that. But it is going to be hectic, is it not, uh, between the end of these spring games and May 1. Yeah, if you're going from, I guess, a SEC team to an SEC team, you already have to be. Yeah, uh, that's right. you're in your next destination uh, for the 2022 season. So absolutely. Um, you know, there are still some, I guess, decisions uh, based on when you entered the portal and things like that, that could play out from a time frame perspective as we record this uh, still awaiting word from Tyler Steen, the Vanderbilt yes. offensive lineman looking to make the jump to perhaps Virginia or Alabama. So we'll see how that plays out 
as well. Well, Brent, as always, great stuff. Always enjoy teaming up with you here on Second Helping. If you haven't subscribed to Second Helping at this point, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button. And if you leave us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Do it again real soon, Brent. Can't wait, bud. Uh, Enjoyed it. Have a great week. We'll look forward to a spring game starting this weekend. For the birthday boy, Brent Beard, (laughs) Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. Until next time, so long, everybody.